Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall. This is the 440 for Wednesday, November 3rd. Today on the show, we've got your golden nuggets from the guys at Club and Country. The Atlanta Braves are World Series champions. The Vanderbilt Commodores are trying to sell the name of their stadium, but we begin with Tuesday night's initial college football playoff rankings. If you live in Nashville and you own a home, you need to know the name The Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. They are a locally owned, award-winning custom home and remodeling firm, and they've been successful in this business for over a decade in this market because they do it the right way. You can trust that they will have your best interests at heart. Call them. Give them a ring. Just talk to them. Have a conversation. I guarantee you, you will learn something that will help you throughout your process of home ownership. Just give them a call. The Kingston Group. If you're BuildKG.com, that's The Kingston Group. The initial college football playoff rankings came out on Tuesday evening, and as expected, the Georgia Bulldogs were number one in the nation. We all knew that that would be the case going in, but no one really knew what was going to happen after the dogs. And before we get into it, I will offer the obligatory, these rankings don't mean anything really and don't matter because the only rankings that actually matter will come out after every single game has been played at the end of the year. But we did gain some insight into the committee's approach. Number two in the nation was Alabama. I was a little surprised at that. I think they're the second best team in America. I don't think there's really an argument for anybody else if you just watch football. But I was a little surprised that they gave the edge to Alabama despite having a loss, even though there was an undefeated Michigan State team sitting there available for them at number two. Of course, the Spartans were number three. Oregon at number four. Ohio State at number five. I think Ohio State has been significantly better. But the Ducks beat Ohio State head-to-head, and I think that's totally fine for the committee to value that over the rest of the body of work, which, in my opinion, heavily favors the Buckeyes. The Bearcats at number six. This is the biggest loser on the evening. Cincinnati had to be high in the initial rankings, two or three, because their strength of schedule is going to continue to go down. So if you're a fan of a group of five team upsetting the apple cart and getting into the playoff, then mm, Tuesday was not your night. Michigan was seven, Oklahoma eight, Wake Forest nine, and Notre Dame ten. Important to note, elsewhere in the rankings, the first two lost teams were Auburn at 13 and Texas A&M at 14, and they're probably a touch lower than I would have them in my rankings, so that might be bad news for a potential two-loss team getting into the playoff, but each team has a ton of big games left on their schedule, including playing each other this weekend, and both teams have a chance to rise quickly in the rankings as teams lose and chaos ensues in front of them, which is, of course, almost assured to happen. Ole Miss, who still gets to play the Aggies, is at number 16. Mississippi State, that's right, Hale State is at number 17, which is totally shocking to me. Kentucky is at 18. It's definitely a little bit lower than I expected for Ole Miss or Kentucky and way higher for Mississippi State. But again, what this is telling you is that the committee values head-to-head. So that is your top four, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, and Oregon with Ohio State at five and Cincinnati at six. Make sure you tune into the Fringe Element podcast. Myself, Stephen Godfrey, Aaron Dugan, as we're going to break down all of the rankings, all of the top 25 playoff stuff, as well as what's going on with Dan Mullen in Florida. You've got the Auburn A&M game we're going to preview. A lot of great stuff out every single Wednesday only on the 440 Sports Network. That's Fringe Element everywhere podcasts are found. Congratulations to the Atlanta Braves on winning the World Series for the first time since 1995 after a Game 6 victory over the Houston Astros in Houston on Tuesday evening. It is just the second World Series championship for the franchise since moving from Milwaukee to Atlanta in 1966. And while I have tons of friends and colleagues and peers in the media, in and around Nashville, in my family, 
I'm not happy for people celebrating the Atlanta Braves. I'm happy for the state of Georgia that has been through a ton of championship trauma in their lives, both football, baseball, basketball, what have you, college football. But all you folks in Nashville, and I'll call out a few names here, people that are are friends, colleagues, peers, whatever. I'm not happy for the Chad Withrows, the Jared Stillmans, the Stephen Godfreys of the world. I am not happy for you folks. As a diehard Mets fan, Josh Ward in Knoxville, I am not happy for you folks. I am happy for one person. One person in Nashville who has been through a lot and is a diehard Braves fan and is one of the nicest human beings on the planet. There is one person that I thought about on Tuesday night when the Atlanta Braves started dogpiling and celebrating their World Series championship, and that is Chase McCabe, a friend and a colleague at 102.5 The Game, a host, a producer, a boss, and just an all-around wonderful guy. You, Chase McCabe, I am happy for. I am happy that you got to experience this joy in this moment, in this time in your life. I am so happy for you. All the rest of you knuckleheads, go Mets. That's all I have to say to you folks. But you, Chaser, you're the best, and I'm happy for you. Otherwise, it was a very difficult scene to consume on Tuesday night as a Mets fan who's been to two World Series and watched his team lose twice. It's just difficult to watch. It's tough. I'm not going to lie. It's like watching the Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl. It's like watching the New York Yankees win the World Series. It's like watching, I don't know, the Florida Gators win a national championship. It's there, There's very few things in my sports fandom. The Chicago Blackhawks maybe winning a Stanley Cup. There's very few things in my fandom that challenge me more than the Atlanta Braves winning. And so, no, I'm not happy. I'm not happy for most of you, even though I enjoy most of your company and find you all to be friendly and wonderful people. I'm not happy for any of you. I'm happy for Chase McCabe. I'm happy for you, my man. Congratulations. In some interesting but not unsurprising news, Chris Lee of Vandy Sports reported on Tuesday that the Vanderbilt Commodores will be selling naming rights to their stadium for the first time in school history. Vanderbilt is looking for a naming partner that will include rights to the stadium name and broad multimedia partnership across all nationally recognized sports, along with a few other things. For a school that finally seems willing to invest in its football program, this is an interesting step. A ton of stadiums in college football have done this, although not very many historic stadiums in the SEC have gone this direction. And Vanderbilt has enough money that they don't need or have to do it. And so I wonder how the small subset of diehards will react to Gibson Guitar Stadiums instead of Vanderbilt Stadium. I know Tennessee fans would go nuts if Nealon was all of a sudden called Gus's Good Time Stadium or Jordan Hare was named Dreamland. Although I suppose you could do a lot worse than either of those. Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Texas A&M would all be probably right there with them overreacting to a stadium name change as well. Ryman Hospitality Properties Stadium doesn't really roll off the tongue, does it? Lifeway Christian Resources Stadium. I mean, it's better than Ramsey Solutions Stadium, but still not great. HCA Holdings Inc. Stadium. Nah, Ingram Barge Stadium. Let's go watch a game at the Barge. You know, that could work. He already makes all the decisions anyway. How about Prince's Coliseum or Tailgate Stadium or maybe just Jaspers? <laughs> Those last three could work, in my opinion. In all seriousness, it's a large stream of revenue, but I don't really know how much Vanderbilt needs it. And at what cost? Do we as Nashville sports fans care that the Predators building is named after a tire company or that the home of the Titans is named after a car? Probably not, but we are far more used to that with pro buildings. Historic, albeit very dumpy, college stadiums seem to have more reverence, in particular in the SEC, within the fan bases. It will be tough to see a new corporate logo on the side of that building. But hey, if it means Clark Lee has more resources to win games, 
Maybe Vanderbilt fans don't care at all. It is Wednesday, and that means it's time for your Golden Nuggets for the week. As Nashville SC heads into the final weekend of the regular season, Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan of the Club and Country podcast try to explain exactly what that stoppage time draw against Orlando City last weekend really meant to the boys in gold. Tim, this is a great point for Nashville SC for a few reasons. Number one, it looked like they were going to get it. It looked like they were going to come home with nothing until mm-hmm. uh, until the referee went to the monitor. It does put Orlando permanently behind the boys in gold. The Lions stay five points back of Nashville, so even a win for Orlando paired with a Nashville loss would not allow the Lions to pass the boys in gold. Um, number two, it puts Nashville on the doorstep of a home playoff spot. You've mentioned the number of permutations out there and, and that the vast majority of those have Nashville playing at home. All they need to do is draw against New York Red Bulls, and that future is guaranteed. Number three, bigger picture, it's the 11th comeback for Nashville SC in the 14 matches in which they have conceded first. They've been a little softer defensively at times this year. They've given up some goals, but they've had the juice, even on the road at times, to come back and equalize as they did on Sunday. Yeah, and I think those first two points are obviously, in the big picture, what is most important in terms of how Nashville finishes the season. But it's that third point that I think is is so interesting because people kind of have this idea of, of Gary Ball as kind of a boring, mm-hmm. let's play for the draw sort of game. But if you concede first, you can't really play that way. So Nashville has played some exciting come from behind ways, even if it's resulted in, in a near MLS record number of draws so far. Nonetheless, it's it's been a bit more exciting than maybe kind of looking at the table and saying, oh man, look at that draw number. It's so high. The way they got there wasn't always, you know, it wasn't scoreless draws left and right. That was Tim Sullivan and Wes Bowling, hosts of the Club and Country podcast, out every single Tuesday, everywhere podcasts are found. To go much deeper on Music City Soccer, check out that feed as they are dropping bonus episodes, including a special surprise on Thursday, now that Decision Day and the MLS Cup playoffs are upon us. Rate, review, and subscribe. That's the Club and Country podcast. Special thanks, of course, to the folks who bring you the 440 every single morning for free, the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Just keep that name in mind if you're a homeowner in Nashville. If you're looking to do some work on your house, make sure you remember the name, the Kingston Group. Just have a conversation with them. Even if you don't use them, I guarantee you they will help you along the way with their process because they care deeply about your home. BuildKG.com is the website. Thank you guys all for listening. Please share the show. We do appreciate it. Follow us at 440 Media on Instagram, at 440 Sports on Twitter. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden. 